WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. The writing on the wall. We've all seen it. <laughs> Even if we didn't want to. The writing on the wall isn't meant to be ignored, but sometimes we just can't help ourselves. Jerry and Ernie, they were both so good with words. The best kind of good, experts. But reading each other, that was a language of a different sort. We know that Ernie never wrote about Jerry. But like any artist, the more they work, the more of them spills out, despite their intent. Maybe those words have been up on the wall this whole time. Hello, this is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is That Girl Who Rides With Me. I can take it. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 11, A Bed of Coals. I'm just going to leave this box here with you. No, you're not. Oh, yeah. Oh. You ought to listen. I mean, I can't take this with me anymore. You gotta tell, you gotta, I, I don't know what to do with it. Oh, uh, have you ever listened to some of those? Words? I was there. Who cares? I'll tell you what. From the notes you keep, it doesn't look like you don't care. Jerry does that. She ties notes to all the reels. Oh, well, the note here says Olive Hotel, Miles City, uh-huh. Montana, Denver Williams, well, Dr. Sure. Rexford G. Tugwell, sure. and it looks like you're writing. Well, it was. I was just keeping up with her tradition, I suppose. Uh-huh. She wasn't with me on that trip, remember? Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I took her to her sister Poe in Denver for a spell. It was... Jerry, it was going to be an uncomfortable trip, so... Uncomfortable? Yeah, I remember. Poor Poe only gets to see her when I need to pawn her off. Jerry <laughs> ends up there in terrible shape. I tell you, just once I'd like to show up there, visit like normal family. Sure. Well, I was listening to some of these reels this oh, morning. Boy. I got into this stuff from Montana here. It got me curious, so I reread what came of it in your column. I want you to read something. No, I don't need to read anything. Here, look, read it, you fathead. I, I, yeah, I know what it's about, Lee. I know the guy that wrote Take it. Take it with you then, you stubborn goat. But read it. That's an order. Anyway, this interview in the Olive Hotel. Yeah, it's a nice hotel. We were up in my room working on a few you bottles listen- of beer after dinner. It's a nice little restaurant next door. I listened to up? it this morning. Did you now? Olive Hotel, Miles City, Montana. One year prior. Ernie sits with the head of the WPA Relocation Administration, Dr. Rex Tugwell, and a local rancher, Denver Williams. It was Sherman Stevenson. He was in line yesterday for relief. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Two months ago, that man owned 800 head of cattle. I can't imagine. It don't skip anybody. My God, this is awful. It'll end sometime. Sure what do you think, Dr. Rex? Can't be too sure. Trouble is, everyone is so spread out. No grass uh-huh. growing for the cattle and horses. Yep. Mm-hmm. No yeah. money for feed. Uh-huh. Cattle don't have enough energy to march to market. When they do, the farmers owe that to the bank anyway. That is a true story. Mm-hmm. It might be that this land out here isn't meant for farming and ranching. Might be. Been farming it for only what? Less than 50, 60 years for sure. Sure. 
The gate swings post to post from year to year. Never know what you get, but when it's good, oh boy, it's good. Has it been this bad since you've been here? Not since I've been here, no. And how old are you? 46. I've been at work paying my own way since I was 11. Uh-huh. Cowboying, mostly. That's how I got up here. That was 1912, working all around Powder River country. Oh, wow. Then the big outfits closed up shop. Some friends started setting up for themselves. And mm-hmm. I thought that would be a good idea. So sure. we bought 1,000 acres about 120 miles from here, up here past McLeod. <laughs> right, right. Raised between 40 and 100 cattle a year. Okay. Good years. Got myself in pretty good shape. Those are the years that trick a fellow. Oh, you know. That's when more folks come and throw their hat in. Yeah, that happened. That's for sure. Now we have a lot to think about. Farm stock and people. But we can't let people die. Well, I hope not. That's our main concern at the RA. Well, I appreciate the good work, Stock. I might even accept a bit of relief at this time, to be honest. I wouldn't be here if I didn't need it. Sure, sure. I figured. That's why we're here. But I'm not relocating. Well, that's your choice. Would you mind if I told you what it's like in our relocation communities? Well, if you must. <laughs> oh, well, it has been an uphill climb with folks, I tell ya. Yeah. Convincing Congress, you might think, is the difficult part. <laughs> but <laughs> getting folks like yourself to reconsider life in a different place, that is the tough job. Mm-hmm. At one time, there were just the Blackfeet that made this place work, and they mm-hmm. weren't planting anything. They took what they could, and if that wasn't enough, their population rose and fell accordingly. If you're not an Indian, I doubt you have the constitutional makeup to survive out here. I get some hunting in, like the crow and Blackfeet. If you're hunting and fishing, there isn't much room for anything else. No, there isn't. What if I were to tell you that the wonderful thing about our relocation camps, (laughs) I mean, communities, the wonderful thing is a guy could get some work there and have plenty of time to himself to get things like some fishing in. You don't say. A lot of folks are making their way to these places, getting back on their feet. They're learning new trades and ways to make life in town. That's true. You can learn a manufacturing job. There's steel work and mining. Mm-hmm. One town is teaching the skills needed to build radio and electrical towers. That's, electric that's lines right. are being put in across the Rockies right now, among mm-hmm. other places. There's work in the oil fields of Bakersfield. I can already do the work of the oil field. Oh. I'd hate to have to go back being as old as I am. When did you learn the oil trade? Drought of 19. I was, I was doing quite well by then. Then the drought came. I had to go to the bank for a loan. Fellow said, oh. well, the way I figure your assets are worth about $35,000. Oh, Next bad. year, more drought, and I sold the cattle and settled up. The banker said, well, the way I figure your assets now, you're worth about $250. Oh, boy. That's all over the country. So I left for the oil fields, northeast Colorado. Never even seen mm-hmm. an oil rig. That's... It's good for us to learn new things. That's the spirit. The spirit of what we at the Relocation Administration are trying to do. Mm -hmm. I got on as a tool dresser and sent for Dorothy, my wife. Got to draw on $18 a day. Oh, that's not too bad. No, that was pretty good. Saved $3,500 that year, then went back to Montana and staked up to start a new ranch. Got into pretty good shape again. And then 1924, things went the other direction. What direction? Rain. Oh. Rain, rain, Mm -hmm. rain. Oh, Cows yeah. got bogged down on the hillsides and died. Steers mm-hmm. slid over That's banks so and sad. broke their necks. Little pigs huddled up in the rain and smothered to death. Oh, no. So we went to the oil fields again. Three times that happened. Twice drought, once rain. Mm-hmm. But I got things going again and built up the thousand acres I'm on now, and here we are again. Yeah. Dry as the heart of a haystack. So, yeah. here you are. Indeed. Here I am. 
Thank you for the beer, Ernie. Oh, well, that's my pleasure, Denver. It's kind of good, too, don't you think? I, it's made in Butte, Montana. Uh, I like it anyway. <laughs> How'd you fellows meet? Well, I write this column, see? I heard that. Yeah, uh, Dr. Tugwell here. We've known each other a while. He's, uh, he's a Washington guy. I get uh, hold of these Washington guys quite easily. It's where my home paper is. Well, we decided to partner up, so we're circling around finding folks like yourself. I try and find a person and tell his story. Through that, folks can get a better idea of the whole shebang. Folks kind of put themselves in, well, in your place, Mr. Denver Williams. See, the story here between us kind of right in itself. I appreciate the openness that you have with me. Oh, about... that's... Yeah, I think that is just a beer. <laughs> you, would you like another beer? Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, Doc, would you like another beer? No, thank you. You sure? Well, I think I need to say one more thing. All right. All right, go right ahead. I am wondering, Mr. Williams, why someone would rather stay where they are in a dead landscape with death and dying all around. Why would a fellow want to stay there and not take the help being offered? I can't speak for anybody else, Doc. I still have three milk cows, my workhorses, a bunch of pigs. They won't last. No, they won't. Another two weeks, maybe. I finally gave away some pigs, but I can't even give away the rest. Nobody can feed them. Pine trees up in the hills are dying, cones falling off, but... I can get you set up in a house. <laughs> We're the stainest fools in Powder River country I ever saw. We haven't got sense enough to know when we're left. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you for the beer. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, um, you got to go now, do you? I reckon. Offer stands, Mr. Williams. Thank you. Well, until next time, then. Until next time. Uh, thank you for coming by. And, it was and nice meeting you. It sure okay, was. Then. It sure yeah. was. You have a safe trip home. Thank you. Isn't he a swell fella, Ernie? He's the kind that's got to have help, and right now, he's worth helping. Washington Daily News, back in Lee Miller's office. You have to admit that was very compelling. Yeah, I suppose. I wonder what old Denver is up to these days. I wonder yeah. how he's faring. Yeah, me too. Maybe I'll circle back up there and try and find mm -hmm. him sometime. Congress is pushing mighty hard to kill the relocation administration right now. Everyone thinks it's too socialist, even the liberals. There's talk of folding it into the Farm Security Administration. Well, that's I, the first I've heard of that. Yeah. I wonder how effective they believe Dr. Tugwell is or can be. Huh. Maybe, here's an idea, maybe I'll run your drought series again, reprint yours, and then get Novak to do an investigative follow-up on yeah. Tugwell. What do you think? All right, I, I wouldn't mind giving me a chance to pad the old cushion. Yeah, you could. It's getting thin. You're in your oh, own kind boy. of a drought. Oh, no. <laughs> you are. Yeah, just because you say a thing doesn't make it so. I don't know. All you do is make me feel my ulcer, damn you, Lee Miller. You get Senior off my back. editor. I have <laughs> never let the paper down. No, you haven't, but okay. I'll rerun the Drought Bowl series next week anyway. That's fine with me. Okay. That'll leave me with a dozen or more Hoosier Vagabonds, and I can mm -hmm. stretch those if I need to. I'll get the word out to headquarters. That's what I'm up to here. If you need Maybe to. Maybe pass the whole idea down the line. It'll give if you a couple you weeks need, to You write. don't have to stretch anything. You get a handful before we leave. What well, the hell you think I've been doing while I've been here? You've been being a zookeeper. Jerry's been drunk every time I've seen her this visit. Then don't look at her. So you agree? I'll do no such thing. Has she? 
been drunk the whole time? That's for me to know and you to shut up. Mm-hmm. Remember what I said last year after the drop bull story started coming in? the best stuff I ever wrote. I did, yes. I also said something well, else, too. Well, that's all I remember. It felt to me like you were writing about her. Who, Jerry? Jerry. Well, people get all sorts of ideas about things that I write about. And this zipper story. What about you, I think you're doing it again, the one about the wind. Same she thing. She doesn't like me writing about her. All right. Well, let's talk about something else. I think you get rid of her so you can write about her. I don't get rid of her. I mean, I didn't... You know what I mean. When I have to leave her somewhere, I just start missing her. I, I think about why I can't be with her at that moment. I start blaming things. I don't. Oh, come on. I don't even know I'm doing this. How, how I feel in the moment. I like having family around. I'm sorry. I know you do. She should be there at my side, and when she isn't, I'm sad, and I write what comes out. Okay. That's it. I'm okay. not writing about her, you nitwit. All right. All right. All right. This much feeling coming through your work tells me something is coming. Can we change the subject? All right. Ohio wants you for an extended stay. <laughs> no. Oh, what do you have against little old Ohio anyway? Oh, what do you have against your face wearing a haircut like that? Oh, <laughs> ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Can't you muster any feeling for Ohio? Of course not. Come on. You can go alone. You should go alone. She'll kill me for suggesting it, but you can blame me. I can take it. Look how tired you are. Have you seen how tired you look? I don't have to. It'd be like you're slapping her on the wrist. She has to get her act together, and you tell her I'm coming down on you for the quality of your stuff. And you'll be gone just a few weeks, and it's Ohio mean? anyway. Quality of my stuff. Your writing is sagging. What? <laughs> By the time you get back, she'll have dried up a bit. You, you don't think she knows something about the quality of my stuff? Oh, I don't want to go there, man. You mind your own business. Okay. Where are you going next? I don't know yet. Here's an idea. Ohio could use you. <laughs> I am not going back there. Come on, just there. listen. I, now you, listen. I, I know the sales pitch, Lee. You I, can eat it. Oh, all right. I will. I'll. I'll but listen. Do one story in Ohio on your way to wherever Once else you're going. Once one of the Ohio papers gets word I'm there, I, I won't hear the end of it. You and me both, believe me, just do your best. Do a handful of interviews. You just said one. One hand. I was counting the fingers on oh, one hand. boy. Come on. Oh. You always get me here like this. <laughs> I'm, I'll tell you what, I will head that way, and I can't Good. tell you when I'll get there, though. That's fine. Thank you. As long as I can tell them you're on your way. I, I don't want to get any phone calls in a hotel room okay. from them. Long right. night. Wait. No, wait. Oh, of course. Okay. All right. I, if I head upstate New York first and cross okay. the Alleghenies somewhere, right. I'll get there sometime. Good. I tell you, you always get me. <laughs> I'll get those other columns out to you before we head out, so... Listen, Ernie, if she's causing you a drought, if you want to get out of the heat... Lee, I swear to the good fella upstairs, I'm about to take all those metaphors and stick them Just in Just send your... her home for a while. We can keep an eye on her. You're becoming accustomed to this as normal. Ear. I was going to say stick them in your ear. Get it? In your rear? Oh, brother. <laughs> that is... Okay. <laughs> My dad said that to me before we left. <laughs> Thanks for the concern. I mean it. You bet. I'll take care of it. 
Later that evening, at the Pyle apartment. So, Jerry, they're uh, rerunning the Drought Bowl series. From last talk year? Yeah, I talked to Lee. Mm -hmm. Good. That'll give us some space to pat our cushion. Yeah, that's what I said. Well, on the way out of the office, I swiped this from Lee's desk. It's it's from the Drought Bowl series last year. I just wanted you to hear this again. Mm. Listen. I drove nearly 2,000 miles around the Drought Bowl, and the whole United States seemed to be tortured and wounded in various degrees with drought and heat. But in the bowl, there was complete destruction. It started about 100 miles from the eastern border of the Dakotas and extended all the way to western Montana, taking in both the Dakotas and a corner of Wyoming. It seemed to me that South Dakota had suffered the most. In that world of drought, you finally arrived at a point where you looked and no longer said, my God, this is awful. You became accustomed to dried field and burned pasture, day upon day, driving through that ruined country. And gradually made you accept it as a vast land that had been that way yesterday, would be tomorrow, was that way a hundred miles back, would be a hundred miles ahead. The story was the same everywhere. The farmers said the same thing. The fields looked the same came like the drone of a bee, and after a while, you hardly noticed it at all. It was only at night when you were alone in the heat and unable to sleep that the thing came back to you like a living dream, and you once more realized the stupendousness of it. Then you could see something more than field after brown field or a mere succession of dry water holes, or the matter-of-fact resignation on farm faces. You could see then the whole obliteration of a great land and the destruction of a people, and long years of calamity for those of the soil and the emptiness of life that knows only struggle and ends in despair. I'd seen a great deal of this in the past few years. Sometimes at night, when I was thinking too hard, I felt there was nothing but leanness everywhere, that nobody had the privilege of a full life. Of course, I was wrong about that. I had just seen too much of the ruination of our great land, the beautiful valleys and hillsides of Tennessee washing away to the ocean, leaving a slashed and useless landscape, the raw, windy plains of western Kansas, stripped of all life. A one-time paradise turned into a whirlpool of suffocation in the vast rolling Dakotas, where huge herds once grazed with the freedom of birds, now parched and cramped and manhandled by man and the elements into a bed of coals. I was a good one, Ernie. What? Look at me like that. Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. 
please stop drumming on the dashboard. You haven't interviewed a lot of women, you know. That doesn't make any sense. I want to know why you don't. Of course I do. What are we talking about? It's been a while. That doesn't mean I never do. Where are we headed? Hudson River Valley. I approve. Okay, then. No, I said I approve and that's it. You don't get to approve what I approve. And I'm going to find you a woman to interview. No, you're not. Stop telling me what to do. So why does she want you to talk to me? She said you were famous. Look, she she always says stuff like that whenever she's... Drinking? Well, yeah, if it were just drinking, I think I could handle it. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do. Back next week with more stories from the Ernie Pyle Experiment, I'm Dan V. Prescott. The good road will never end if you can only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 11, A Bed of Coals. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Lee Miller, Ryan Artsberger. Dr. Rex Tugwell, Loraldo Anzaldua. Denver Williams, Steve Scott. Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry on and on, Peter Spellos. Executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee. Writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound design, Chancellor Edmiston. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music assistant, Francis Crichone. Foley artist, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. I don't know what to say. I, I don't even know who I am anymore. The wife and I had reservations at, at the Uptown last night. And while we sat at the bar, me enjoying my chartreuse and Lillian and Lefroig. Waiting on our two top, the Snickers and the Giffords were magnifique. I stared at each face in the mirror of the back bar, steely-eyed, ready for fisticuffs, when, as if an echo from a once pristine water-filled quarry now filled in with dirt and debris, because folks just can't leave well enough alone, a voice called from the wilderness, Monsieur! On and on! Monsieur, on and on! On and on! God, I hate the French. <laughs>